Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. My name is Nkozi. On this episode, we're going to talk about the first episode of The Mandalorian and go over the continued adventures of Mando and Grogu. Also, I'm going to give you my non-spoiler review for the much-anticipated Creed 3 and tell you what I liked, what I didn't like, as well as one of the big differences between this movie and the first two Creed movies. All right, let's get right into it. So to start off this review of Creed 3, I need to tell you guys that I really like the Rocky franchise. Not necessarily all the movies in the Rocky franchise, but I do, in general, like Rocky as a whole. I like his character development. I like what he stood for in terms of being both a man, manly man or a man's man. But I also liked with Rocky how he was able to be sensitive and how he was able to be emotional in how he viewed the world and how he cared for his family and everything like that. So I really liked Rocky. So when they came out with the first Creed, where they said, hey, we're going to tell the story about Apollo Creed's son, I was a little skeptical. Then, of course, I saw Creed and I thought, well, this movie is just absolutely perfect in terms of the storytelling, in terms of the style, from top to bottom. I thought that even more with Creed 2, which I also really liked. I loved the stories, I loved the characters, and I just I just thought personally that Michael B. Jordan was excellent in this role as being this young boxer who had to grow up in the shadow of somebody so much bigger than him also it was somebody he didn't even know realistically he knew the people around him but he never got to meet him so he still essentially was in the shadow of his dad even though he never knew him with creed 3 before i get into my review i think two things need to be brought up that's made readily apparent in that Creed 3 of course this movie while it is still you know while the story is still Ryan Coogler and of course Keenan Coogler the direction is not Ryan Coogler in this movie this movie is the first movie that's directed by first-time director Michael B. Jordan he talks about in interviews about he thought this would be an interesting time to really come out and direct these movies. The style had already been established, things that were being done in terms of the story, all the setup had been put in there so that way he could take a more active role and be the actual director of this movie. So that's number one. Number two is that this is the first Creed movie really the first movie in the Rocky slash Creed universe where Sylvester Stallone's character Rocky Balboa 
is not in the movie. He isn't in the movie at all. His send-off was in Creed 2, if you guys saw Creed 2. So this is 100% from beginning to end. This story is not about Rocky. This story, for the first time, is 100% about Adonis Creed. So now that I've said those things, let's get into my review where I'll give you the highlights and the lowlights. So the first thing, and I'll start with the lowlights first because I always want to end on a good note. The first obvious part that I had a problem with in regards to this movie was the direction. It was Michael B. Jordan's first movie in terms of directing, and honestly, it shows. There are and let's get into what the director's job really is in regards to movies. So the director's job is to essentially be the person that steers the movie along. He's the guy behind the camera. He is also the guy who is shepherding the entire story along. He's the guy that helps to not only get shots, he's also the guy who helps to pull the actors through in regards to their acting and the choices that are made in the story, as well as the overall visual and story beats. So, like I said in the beginning, this is Michael B. Jordan's first directing role. And this is a big movie to get your first directing role in. So at times you can tell that he's making a decision that I think a first time director would make. So there are certain scenes in the movie where he stays a little too long on that scene instead of moving the story along. There are certain images and certain framings that he does where he where he hangs on it a little bit also and this is kind of gets into the biggest reason why i say that he's one of the cons of this movie and that is not to get into spoilers but in the first fight that we see adonis creed in michael b jordan makes a decision to do something that i thought was incredibly interesting in the middle of a fight to do some changes to the scenes to show Adonis Creed's growth in terms of fighting and I really liked that change I thought it was actually a great point to make that Adonis Creed has taken all the lessons that he's learned over the years because this movie takes place years later obviously so this is at the end of his boxing career. And that's not to get into like a long, you know, review and spoilers of it. But I thought in the first fight we see Adonis Creed in, we see some really, really interesting fight vision that I thought, honestly, in my opinion, was revolutionary. I thought it was a great decision on Michael B. Jordan's part 
to make that decision and to really show Adonis Creed not only how he views the fight, it also, I thought, gave the audience a great view into how Adonis Creed thought he was going to win this fight. So that entire, it was really stylized, but I thought it was pulled off beautifully. Conversely, he makes a decision or two, especially one big decision that I'm not going to get into because that would spoil the movie. He makes one big decision that while visually makes sense, I thought actually compromised the quality of the movie. And maybe later on I'll do a spoiler review of Creed 3 just to get into why I really didn't like the decision that he made in regards to one big moment. I thought no point in the Creed franchise or in the Rocky franchise has this been done. I didn't like that it was done in this case. It felt like it undercut a lot of the storytelling up until this point. So the big reason I feel that way is when you're first time doing something, any kind of task, you're going to make mistakes. And yes, there were mistakes made in this movie. I think the biggest mistake made in this movie was it would hit you over the head with obvious choices. So he subscribed to the idea of more is more instead of less being more. And I felt that it really compromised and took away from the gravity of the situation at several key moments where it could have been much better if he would have scaled it back in terms of certain things instead of going and moving forward without those things. The other problem that I had with this storyline is that it was, like I said, it was more is more. That meant in certain ways it was too heavy handed. It didn't give the audience a lot of credit in terms of walking them through certain things. It essentially held your hand the entire way and said, this is how we're going to go. And it took you like you were a child about to go to kindergarten where somebody holds your hand throughout the entire first day and then they take you home. And the only time they let go is when you go to sleep. I thought there were so many different ways that they could have told this story where they didn't need to walk us through every single bit of the story. And honestly, that was the biggest con that I had. And I'm going to, I'm not going to sweep it under the rug and say that these weren't problems that I had with the movie, because these are problems that I had with the movie. And sad to say, I think this movie would have been better served if Ryan Coogler had come back to direct it in a third installment simply because I think he could have kept most of those changes that were done, but he wouldn't have been so heavy handed. And I think he wouldn't have done the biggest sin that I have down, which is compromising the big fight. I felt like the big fight in this movie was compromised. I'm not going to say how it's compromised. And 
I think there will be people who will say that, yeah, that worked for me. It wasn't compromised. For me, it was compromised. I know I get the allegory. I'm not saying that it's bad imagery. What I am saying is in a Rocky movie, in a Creed movie, you go there for the fights. You go there to see the fight in its entirety to go the distance. And I think Michael B. Jordan took that away from the audience. And that's not something that I can really abide by. The fights should never be taken away from the audience in a Creed movie. And I felt like they took one of those fights, the biggest fight, they took it away from the audience. And I'm not happy about it. Even now, having slept on it, I'm still not happy about it. So I would say in regards to my problems with the movie, that's where it really ends. Now, I'm going to go into the good things I had with this movie. And while I've definitely gone after Michael B. Jordan about his directing, I thought everything else in this movie was incredible. As I mentioned before, one of my pros is this felt like Creed's story. I feel like in this movie, I got more of a storyline of who Adonis Creed was from beginning to end. It was amazing to just stay with this one character and have him be the not only the catalyst or play second fiddle to Rocky, where Rocky takes up a significant amount of time in the first Creed movie, and he takes up a pretty good amount of time in the second Creed movie. And it felt at times that Creed was just carried along in regards to that story plot. In this movie, this felt like this was 100% about him. This had nothing to do with Rocky. Rocky was his own man. This felt like this was all about, you know, Adonis Creed. And I really love that. We got more time with Tessa Thompson. We got more time with Felicia Rasage character. I love that. Also, uh, this leads into the second thing, which is the cast in this movie. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal from top to bottom. Tessa Thompson, I thought, elevated her role as Bianca Creed and really stepped into it like she made it her own in ways that was not for Creed 1 and Creed 2. In those two movies, she was still a tertiary character in certain parts. In this one, she fully steps into it and she feels like she is a main character in this movie, which I loved. Felicia Rashad she comes in, of course, she's Felicia Rashad, so she's going to bring it. And Felicia Rashad in this movie has one scene. I saw it coming a mile away, and I was still crying. That is, that is when you know somebody is an incredible actor. You can see a sad scene coming a mile away. And I was in that movie theater. I looked at it, and the second she did it, I said... Of course, she's going to do this. And she did it. And I was still crying. And I was just sitting there like, you got me. 
damn it, you got me. I'm so mad that you got me. I knew it was coming a mile away. You still got me. And that, is, I think, says more about the power of good acting. You can see something coming in terms of the storyline a mile away. It's not about the story. It's all about the impact. And acting can really give that impact. So it, it definitely had me crying. Um, of course, Jonathan Major's character as Damian Anderson, he was, he is a force. He is just a force. I think one of the biggest compliments I can say about Jonathan Majors is he is, he can play somebody who is truly bad. Somebody who you know is not in a good place. Somebody who you know is not necessarily on the up and up. You still want to trust him. You still want to in your own way, just, you still want to believe them, even when you know you shouldn't believe this person. Uh, I also like that they highlighted more uh, Damian Woods, you know, veteran actor Damian Woods. He's more in this movie, of course, or not Damian Woods, uh, Wood Harris. Wood Harris, I love that they brought him back and I love that he's been in all three Creed movies and he gets a much bigger role in this movie than I think he's had in any of the other Creed movies. They brought back, you know, Victor Drago, who I actually thought of Florian uh, Montianu. He was really good in the second movie and they actually gave him a little bit more to do. So they slotted him in perfectly to what they needed him to be, which is he's still menacing. Oh, God, he's still menacing. That talking about the cast, it brings me to another thing that I really loved about this movie, and that is representation being important. Um, and that really goes to uh, Mila Davis-Kent. She plays Amara Creed, you know, Adonis Creed's daughter and she is deaf in the movie and I'm not sure if she's actually deaf or not however I do love that in this movie through Amara they are able to show what kind of father and what kind of parents that Adonis and Bianca are being where they are supportive like they are they are signing to Amara at all times. And I love the fact that in this movie, they had a sign language coach who really wanted to make sure that, hey, people, these individuals are going to learn sign language to communicate with their daughter. And they really did go out their way to show this, that these parents care. They're trying to get Amara all the opportunities that they can. And they are also being supportive of their daughter, which I just, I'm always a sucker for good parents in any kind of movie. So that's me. I just, I love her character because she wasn't the trope of the annoying child she was 
charming. I think you walk out this movie and you talk about, oh, Adonis Creed's daughter, how you're going to love her in this role. And she also has got a little fight in her, which I also love. And I thought one of the best, I thought the best acting that Michael B. Jordan did was whenever he was with his daughter, he really portrayed the image of a loving father, somebody who well and truly cares about his daughter. And also, whenever he's with Bianca, he came off as a husband that loves his wife. And this could just be me being a black person. I love it when you see somebody who is going out of their way and being dutiful and loving to their partner. So I, I absolutely love that, obviously. I also will say this, with all the things I've mentioned about you know Michael B. Jordan and his acting, the one thing he did not do was keep this story way too long. This movie is under two hours, which I definitely love. It could have maybe shaved off like an extra 10 to 15 minutes. However, as you guys know, I am very time conscious. So if I feel like the movie is going way too long, if the story is not moving, I'm going to start looking at my watch and wondering, when is this movie going to be over? And I did not do that at all, which I think is really good in terms of the immersion for this movie. So I well and truly enjoyed what they were doing with this movie. I well and truly enjoyed how this story moved and how it informed on us more of Adonis Creed's story. I love Jonathan Majors and even his motivations. I loved it. It all made sense. So in terms of a 1 to 10 rating, I would give this like a 7.5 out of 10. And the only reason I'm giving it a 7.5 out of 10 and not giving it like an 8 or a 9 is simply because they compromised the big fight. And I have to take points off for that. Like little nitpicks, obviously, I can let go. But the way they compromised the big fight, in my opinion was too much and for me personally i can understand it it didn't ruin the movie for me i still enjoyed way more than i hated i cannot give this movie such a high rating if it does not go by that and if it doesn't actually you know you don't compromise the big fight in a Rocky movie or in a Creed movie. So, like I said, give this story 7.5 out of 10. I really loved it. I think I think this firmly puts, even with the problems I've had, I think Creed, in terms of if you just looked at Creed 1, 2, and 3, I think these overall are even stronger than Rocky 1, 2, and 3. In terms of the story they tell and it's a little more cohesive time will tell if we're going to get more creed movies personally i think we're not going to get 
any more Creed movies, but in Hollywood, money talks more than anything else. So you never know. We could get like a Creed 4 or a Creed 5. So I suggest you go see it. You should see it in theaters. Really enjoy it. It's great to enjoy with a big crowd. If you're a fan of boxing, you're going to like it. If you're a fan of Michael B. Jordan, you're going to like it. If you're a fan of Jonathan Majors, then he's going to take off his shirt and you're going to love it. (laughs) But the story will keep you there. You will be engrossed. There are going to be scenes in this movie that are really going to tug at your heartstrings. I think at the end of this movie, you're just going to be really, it's going to feel triumphant. And I really like that it did feel triumphant. So, yeah, that is my non-spoiler review for Creed 3. And now I will go right into my review of Episode 1 of The Mandalorian. So, it's been a year since we ended the last season of The Mandalorian. And you can honestly say that The Mandalorian is in an interesting place. On one hand, it is the most recognizable show that is currently on for Star Wars. Even though you have the Bad Batch and you also have the Book of Boba Fett. And you also have a couple of new Star Wars shows coming out like The Disciple. Really, the crown jewel in the Disney crown for Star Wars right now is the Mandalorian and the baby Grogu, who is the same race as Yoda. However, there's an interesting caveat to the Mandalorian, and that is it's not the most critically acclaimed. It's no longer the critical darling of the Star Wars universe. That crown goes to none other than Rogue One, which has cemented itself as essentially being the peak TV excellent scripted show for Star Wars. And that's obviously going to have a shorter run than The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is way more open-ended and can go in many different places that Rogue One, not Rogue One, but that the uh, then the show Andor can go to because with Andor, we know where it's going to end. Andor will end with Cassian Andor dying as he did in the movie Rogue One. Whereas The Mandalorian, it has a wide range and because of where it's set, it can go so many different directions. So when it goes into its third season, it's in this place where its history is assured. Everyone loves the Mandalorian. You want to see what's going next. However, it's not the critical darling of Star Wars. So I was very interested to see how the Mandalorian, the episode one would go. And I think it went pretty well, actually. It started off where you were seeing certain things with regards to the watch, which is 
the group that the Mandalorian is a part of, for those of you who don't know, the Mandalorians are split up into different sects, and the sect that the Mandalorian was a part of was called the Death Watch, which was more like a cult, according to other Mandalorians. So, we see their induction of people who are going to be in their group. You know, their famous phrase, this is the way. Uh, then, that induction that was uh, broken up by something and we then see the mandalorian and grogu of course popping up and being super cute which throughout this entire episode grogu is still the cutest thing i think in the star wars universe nothing even comes close to how cute grogu is he is the absolute comedic relief that this show needs he reminds me of a uh, of an anime that I used to watch called Lone Wolf and Cub. If you know, you know. So, Grogu, of course, is being cute. And the Mandalorian in the first episode establishes his quest for what he's going to do for the next season. Which is he is going to try and get back his honor. He's because at the end of the last season, we know that the Mandalorian was kicked out of his group because he removed his helmet. And now we've already established they have kicked him out. And now he is going to try and find a way to not be kicked out anymore, but to come back fully into the fold and be a member of his group again so with this episode i there were certain things i like the action the one thing the mandalorian is absolutely going to give you is action and they did not disappoint all of the action and the special effects were top notch you got ship battles you got you got mandalorians fighting creatures you got a bunch of things and you also got a couple of firefights in there a couple of shootouts not a lot but enough to definitely keep the pacing you also are seeing i think some recurring villains and some pirates not going to go much into them i also think that they did a nice job of resetting the table because that's what a lot of this episode was. A lot of this episode was setting the table for what's going to happen in the next season. In this season. I think they did a good job at that. Also, they needed to really reestablish some things. Simply because some of the events that happened in Book of Boba Fett directly influence the mandalorian and if you didn't watch the book of boba fett you'll probably be surprised and say oh grogu is back because at the end of season two grogu had left with luke skywalker and they just kind of brush it off and say yes i returned him but he came back so i really liked 
where the season is pointing to, it seems like we're going to get a lot more of the Mandalorian lore, you know, of the race of Mandalorians. It seems like they're going to go to the actual planet of Mandalore. A lot of that, some of it was talked about in obviously the Clone Wars and some of the books. So I think they're going to expand on it even more in this series. I think this is really just going to be focused on the Mandalorian regaining his honor or finding new honor or something like that. I don't know. I just, I really like the direction that this is going to go into. And it seems it's going to be much smaller scale, which I love for the Mandalorian. <clears throat> I think the best stories for the Mandalorian are when it tells small stories, not epic galaxy spanning stories. Some of the best episodes have simply been it's the Mandalorian and he's going after one person for a job or he's going after one creature for an object that he needs or he's saving one person. The Mandalorian isn't about saving the galaxy. It's not about stopping the Sith. It's not about making sure every single person in the known Outer Rim is safe. The Mandalorian is very specifically about small stories. It's about the things that impacts him and Grogu. It's not about changing the world necessarily or changing the universe. It's about helping one person. And by helping that one person, you do end up impacting things. We see that with Grief Karga in the first season. The Mandalorian, he helped save Grief Karga's life. Grief Karga repaid him. And by the time we get to season three, Grief Karga has turned his scum, hive of scum and villainy into a respectable place that people can go and live their lives. So it's a great example, I think, of how one life can impact another and impact another until it impacts a whole group of people. And I think that's what we see with the Mandalorian. There was one thing, however, that did make me chuckle that I that isn't really a spoiler, especially if you've been watching uh, Rebels, and that is space whales. You you see the space whales. Grogu is looking out into hyperspace and he sees these figures that are large and traveling along in that space and you know that's space whales. It, it's one of the craziest things in Star Wars in my opinion and I mean in Star Wars lore they have living planets and yet I am thrown off by space whales. Space whales that can feel the force. That's the thing that throws me off. And to be honest, if you know what I'm talking about in Rebels, you know why it throws me off. I do think this is a nice little allusion to one of the next Star Wars TV shows that we're going to get, 
which will be Ahsoka. And as we know with Ahsoka, that's going to, in its own way, it's going to focus on, I think, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Because as we know, Grand Admiral Thrawn was defeated by space whales. Still the most anticlimactic way to go out. I'm really mad about these space whales. I can't let it go, but I'm going to move on. We're going to... I like that as a callback to that. I also like the fact that we are going to go to Mandalore after it was glassed. We're going to see more planets in the Star Wars universe. That has always been a sticking point for me in regards to the Star Wars universe. In other shows, we see a bunch of planets. In Star Wars, we don't see nearly enough planets. We're told about hundreds of planets. However, in reality, especially in the movies, I don't think we've even visited two dozen yet. And I know that's by design. However, we don't need to go back to Tatooine. We don't need to go back to Naboo. We don't need to go back to Coruscant. The thing we truly need is we need to see different places. Let's go see Mandalore in live action. Let's go see some more planets in live action. That's I think that will help the Star Wars universe as a whole because the more that we can shape Star Wars, the more that Star Wars becomes less dependent on the Skywalkers and the Force and Palpatine, just on the Sith and the Jedi, the stronger I think the brand as a whole will be simply because we'll have so many other stories that we can tell. And I think there are so many other stories that are worth telling. So I'm really rooting for The Mandalorian Season 3. First episode I thought was an okay piece of world building and just setting the stage for what's going to go in Season 3. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do later on this season. Alright. So with that being said, I think we can wrap this up. Thank you all for joining me and listening to me. If you want to reach out, you can contact us on Twitter at Two Sides of a Coin. You can contact us on Instagram at two sides of a coin you can email us at two sides podcast at gmail.com that's t-w-o-s-i-d-e-z podcast at gmail.com you can hear our podcast once a week on fridays on on wednesdays let me not get make that mistake you can hear us on wednesdays on spotify or on podbean or wherever you hear your podcast So thank you guys, we appreciate you a lot, and we'll talk to you next week.